Hi guys, this is Erica Weston with Fox Sports Midwest, and you're listening to my favorite St. Louis Blues hockey podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. Hi there, everyone. I'm Haley Wickenheiser, and this is Let's Go Blues Radio, past to the future. I need one win. What are you going to do to get me that? Selfish hockey. That's right. Selfish hockey. Break it down. Skate the puck. Don't pass it. Headman's still going to be there when you catch up, boy. Take it coast to coast. Shots from poor angles are still shots. Fuck and a half, two minute shifts, three minutes even. Cruise the blue line to catch your breath. Bad bounce, that's a good breakaway. Gotta get the bounces, boys. Woo, Nelly. Still love that open. And if you don't, well, maybe you guys just aren't ready for that yet. But your kids are going to love it. Welcome to Let's Go Blues Radio, past to the future. Thanks to Erica Weston and Haley Wickenheiser for the uh, wonderful intro. And of course, for the music supplied by Julio. I believe I said it incorrectly last week. Julio Cesar. He is in Brazil. Uh, make sure you check out his YouTube channel if you uh, want to find a way to see that. Go to the show page or letsgoblues.com slash radio. Uh, and then also our YouTube videos that we've been posting with these. Uh, make sure you check that out too because I always do post um, a link to Julio's YouTube page. He has some great stuff on there. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, so I want to go ahead and mention that uh, we will continue to have shows every week. I know I've said this before, but I want to make sure if somebody's just now tuning in, maybe you're a big fan of Ray Ferraro or Eric Burton, and you've decided that you wanted to uh, check it out. We are one of the few hockey podcasts that are sticking around every single week. Uh, Right now, we're sticking with the Back to the Future, or the, I'm sorry, that's a copyright infringement, Past to the Future episodes. Uh, But Kurt and Bill, the other co-hosts on this show, We'll be returning sporadically, and of course, if the season comes back, we will come back with our regular live shows, but I would imagine this is still a week-to-week thing. We still don't know what we're going to do every week, so just stay tuned to us on social media. I do want to mention a couple of our guests here uh, at the Open. Ray Ferraro, as I mentioned, is our past portion of the show. Yes, he is a former St. Louis Blue, 25 games played with the Blues at the end of the 2001-2002 season and uh, played in playoffs for the Blues. It was a trade deadline acquisition, then he retired. So yes, he is a former St. Louis Blue, and for anyone that uh, might be hiding under a rock right now, uh, he is a TSN analyst, and he's probably one of the best. Also, one of the voices you'll hear on NHL 20, and I think he's been doing it for a couple years now, so... Uh, We get into talking about that. Very fun. And then also Eric Burton is my second guest, part of the future segment. He covers the University of North Dakota and all college hockey for InsideHockey.com. He talked to me about Scott Perunovich of the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. And I should mention that since our talk, uh, Perunovich was named a finalist for the Hopi Baker Award, as well as uh, signing a two-year entry-level deal with the Blues. So, we get into talking about that, that he's probably going to be a Hobie Baker finalist. He was. And uh, one of the questions I ask, I think it's still relevant, everything we talk about, but uh, I do ask him about um, if he thinks he will sign with the Blues this year. And obviously the answer is yes, because he already has. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's get into it, huh? Like I said, not going to blabble too much at the beginning of these because I want to get right into these interviews. Here is my first interview, the past segment of the show, Ray Ferraro. This is Jeff continuing the summer series for Let's Go Blues Radio, and today I'm joined by Ray Ferraro. Yes, a former St. Louis Blue, A uh, uh, although I think he only played in a total of, I believe it was uh, 20 or maybe 25 uh, games with the Blues, including playoffs and regular season. But uh, Ray is an analyst for TSN, uh, co-host of uh, Overdrive, I believe, with um, with Jamie McLennan, at least works with Jamie, former uh a guest of the show, and uh, Ray, thank you very much for joining the show today. Yep, thanks. I uh, hope 
everybody's well. I hope people that are listening are are doing well and feeling good. And um, you know, we're we're in the midst of this here in late March, and everybody trying to just find one one foot to put in front of the other right now. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's uh, we were talking a little bit there off air about what life is like having kids at this point. It's just it's not easy, but um, you know, I guess it's uh, you, you do for the do the best for the common good at this point. Well, that's that's the goal. I don't know if I don't know if you know we're getting to the numbers that we need to get to of people for the common goal and the common good. But um, you, you can only I, I, I heard this quote early on when this all became you know pretty clear that we were we were into something that a lot of people were going to deny or not pay attention to it and it's you know look after yourself so you can look after the person beside you and really for the first time in our lifetimes um many of us are being asked to make a a very very small sacrifice although there is major ramifications to it and uh, for some people that small sacrifice is too much they can't quite do it and i don't get it why i don't i assume they have parents i assume they have grandparents um i assume you care about people around you and um and for for our family, it's um, you know it's laying low to the ground here. We're we're at home. We get into the backyard. We go for a walk. I mean, man, we wish we were doing stuff too, but that's really just not not what's available right now. Yep, and that's what I tell myself is I'm not doing this for myself, and maybe not even doing it for my kids, but I'm doing it for my mother who's still around and kicking. So, um, yeah, like you said, you know, doing it for the people around you, and that's uh, that's the goal here. So, Ray, I wanted to, uh, first of all, I wanted to talk to you about something that uh, the Blues fans, I think they know your nickname that that came on after you joined TSN. And I know the story, but I want you to go ahead and explain it to those that maybe don't, and maybe there's a part I'm missing. Uh, why is the words chicken parm associated with Ray Ferraro? Well, it actually, um, it's not TSN where it started. It, it was at ESPN when I, I was still playing. Okay. Um, and. And um, a man by the name of Barry Sachs, um, who was in charge of on-air talent for ESPN2 at the time, he uh, he called me, and um, he's a big Rangers fan, and I played for the Islanders and then went to the Rangers and was traded to L.A. Um, and so he called me and said, hey, would you like to do some, um, some TV work? And I said, well, I don't know. I've never really done anything before other than interviews. And he said, well, look, you're – because I got traded from the Rangers to the Kings, he said, look, you're, you're not going to make the playoffs. We'd like you to come in and do a round on TV, which now is pretty commonplace. You know, you see a lot of players do it when their teams are eliminated. But back then, nobody really did it. And so I said, yeah, sure, I'll come in there. And uh, so the first year I did it with um, with Bill Pito and, and Barry Melrose. And I guess it went all right because they asked me to come back for a couple of rounds the next year. And so playing for a team that didn't make the playoffs actually was great for my broadcasting career because I didn't really have a, a broadcasting career at that time. I was still playing, and all of a sudden now I've got opportunity to be on ESPN. They're the national carrier. And so by the second year, John Butchergross was the host. And um, uh, so before every show, we I mean, ESPN wasn't like it is now. Now they've got this huge kitchen, and you can get all kinds of different foods. Back then, you're in Bristol, Connecticut. There was about four restaurants, and one of them was an Italian place across the street. And I think I had chicken parm 26 out of 30 days <laughs> when, when I was there. I, I really like it, and I really like theirs. Well, the problem with it was you got it in takeout, so the the utensils were these plastic forks and knives. So one day we're eating and my plastic fork explodes and the, the chicken parm drops into the sauce, splatters all over my shirt, which would have been the end of it, except when we went on the air that night, uh, Butchie decided to tell the story. And so I've got my shirt, which looks like a gunshot wound. I've got it hidden underneath my jacket. But in any case, I got spaghetti sauce all over me like a slob. And um, so he started calling me chicken parm and, it just never went away. Oh, yeah. Well, some of those nicknames, hey, it could be worse. I know plenty of people who've had uh, some bad incidents with nicknames, and it doesn't. It just seems to follow them around. So I think there's something that could be worse yeah, than could, Chicken Farm. <laughs> it could, could be a lot worse, but that's just the way it is. That's yeah, right. That's where it came from. 
So I wanted to ask you uh, early on in your playing career, obviously you played uh, uh, parts of, uh, uh, well, you were in the NHL for a long time, played for six different teams. Uh, Portland Winterhawks was the team you played for uh, before that. And you guys were the 1983 Memorial Cup team. I'm asking you to kind of sift through the memory banks here because that I looked at the roster of that team and my goodness, it was you, Cam Neely, Mike Vernon, uh, John Cordick, and then just a plethora of other great players. Um, when you were on that team, and, and again, I know I'm asking you to go pretty pretty far in the past here, uh, did you think that there was potential to have six, maybe seven or eight NHLers on the roster? Uh, yeah, actually. We are, our team was was outstanding. Our, our, our top line was Kenya Remchuk, who never really made it into the NHL um, long term, but he was the seventh overall pick of his draft year. Cam Neely's in the Hall of Fame. He was his right winger. Um, our second line had Alfie Turcotte. He was a first-round draft choice. Um, I was the third-line center. Wow. And, um, you know, I was a fifth-round draft choice uh, out, of, out of Tier 2 junior in, in Penticton where actually um, uh, Dougie Waits' boy uh, Danny plays. Uh, up in the BC Junior League, and so that's where I got drafted out of. And so um, we we steamrolled uh, through that year and ended up winning the Memorial Cup. But we were we were really good. We actually picked up Mike Vernon for. We were able to pick up. It's kind of a goofy rule. You were able to pick up a third goalie um, for the Memorial Cup tournament. Well, our third goalie happened to be the best goalie in the league, so we picked up. <laughs> Mike Vernon, and he became our starter, and uh, went on. You know, we went on to win the Memorial Cup. But we were, uh, man, that team was really, really good. And then I got traded after that year to Brandon. <laughs> oh, of course, that's just how it works. Uh, so, uh, speaking of being traded, I mean, obviously you uh, you had a long NHL career before you arrived in St. Louis, which was your final destination before calling it a career. But uh, you ended in St. Louis. You ended up with uh, ten goals and fifteen regular season games. Uh, I'm sorry, 10 points in 15 regular season games, uh, three assists and 10 postseason games for the Blues, who uh, lost in the second round of the Red Wings that year. Uh, but I want to talk to you about the team you were with before you came to St. Louis. So you were with Atlanta, which uh, now uh, most know is a defunct team. But the season prior to being traded, you had you were tied for your third best point total in your career at that point. Uh, 29 goals, 47 assists, and 76 points you actually led the team, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, looking back, maybe this is a Kovalchuk-Keatley, maybe he was centering those guys. Looking, you know, you still had a solid wingers with you. You had Donald Laudette, Andrew Burnett, uh, uh, Patrick Stefan was on that team. You know, when you hit 76 points that year on a, an Atlanta team that didn't make the playoffs, um, what do you contribute your uh, success to? Well, um, it's funny, you know, like sometimes you have uh, line mates that might have a high profile and, you know, it looks like that line's going to really work. And other times the line just just fits. And uh, for me, I, you know, I I was on a line and played the entire year uh, with uh, Andrew Burnett and Donald Odette. And um, Donald could score, man, he could shoot the puck. And Bruno's a fantastic passer. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of my, well, probably my best, my best friend that I played with and we just connected. I mean, like, man, we just, we knew where each other were on the ice. We knew what, you know, our power play was good. And for a team that wasn't a great team, right? We were a second year expansion team. And, um, we, we had times there where, you know, we simply just didn't have enough depth to, to hang with the teams that, you know, if we were going to, if, if we were going to move up in the standings, uh, our line was, was among the league's best that year. And, um, I was healthy, which had really become a an issue for me in the latter part of my career. I had all kinds of knee problems, and uh, that year I went start to finish without any. And um, you know, like our, I don't know, it, it, it was a it was an awesome year. It was um, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, our line was like you know teams were teams had to worry about our line when they didn't worry about too much in Atlanta, right? Like we weren't right. threatening too many people, but they were, they were concerned about our line and it was kind of cool to be like that again. Yeah. That's uh, again, looking at that roster, I was impressed by uh, 
the point totals that your line put up. Um, very good stuff. And uh, so anyway, you come to St. Louis after that. Uh, this was the next season you were traded, uh, I believe it was right before the trade deadline. Um, obviously, you know, having a long career at that point, you had already played in St. Louis. I'm sure you knew guys that played uh, for the Blues. And uh, but but what was your impression of St. Louis before you came to the town? And then uh, did that change at all once you uh, started playing some games there for the Blues? Well, I did get traded right before the deadline. Um, I got held out of a game in Atlanta, and I nobody really said anything. And then about in the middle of the third period, uh, our general manager Don Waddell called me and uh, said I'd trade you to St. Louis. Um, uh, got to call Larry Plo. And so I called Larry and I uh, said, yeah, we need you to play tomorrow night against Nashville. And this was about 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, <laughs> what do I do? And so like I scrambled down to the room, got my gear, didn't really have time to, um, you know, to say goodbye to anybody. I had to pack for basically two months. Um, uh, got all that stuff together. Um, the next morning, I, I, I was actually separated. Uh, I was getting divorced, and so I did, ran over to the house to say goodbye to my boys, who were 13 and 10 at the time, and said, I'll get you to St. Louis as quick as I can. Jumped in the car and went to the airport and got to St. Louis, and um, the, the only guys I knew there were Scotty Young, who I had played with in Hartford, and the coach. Uh, you know, I played with Joel Quenville in Hartford as well, and um so there was only that familiarity uh, to the Blues team. I didn't know anybody else. As far as the city, I mean, I I knew the two blocks around the rink and the you know where the old St. Louis Arena was, where I started playing in St. Louis. But that I mean, that was it. I didn't know anything about it, and uh, ended up living out in Clayton and uh, loved it. I um, found there was a whole heck of a lot to St. Louis that nobody sees if you're just coming in to play a hockey game and leaving. And uh, the people were great. They're really, really nice. Um, I, I enjoyed the, the area that I lived in and, um, you know, got to know a little bit about it, and, uh, although I was only there for just a, a pretty short while. So you uh, you obviously played on a team with uh, future Hall of Famers, uh, Chris Pronger, Al McInnes, and then obviously guys like Keith Kachuk, Doug Waite were on that roster. Um this was obviously the Blues trying to gear up, gear up for another big run. Uh, the year before, they had gone to the conference finals and lost to the Avalanche. So I'm sure that when you got the call that you were traded to the Blues, there was some excitement of, hey, I'm at the latter stages of my career. Uh, you know, Stanley Cup is is what I want. Uh, did you think that team had a pretty good shot at winning a Stanley Cup? I thought it was the best team that I'd played on in a long, long time. Um, I did know that if you're going to go anywhere, and when I got traded, um, we were just outside the playoffs. Um, so, you know, the first job was to try and get in. But I knew that if the team was going to go anywhere, we were going to have to get through Detroit. And that's when, you know, Detroit had Luke Robitaille and Brett Hull on their fourth line. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was that was one hell of a team. That was, you know, they turned out to be the Stanley Cup champions. But I felt like, man, this team is so good and so deep. And um, I got there. Um, certainly I was added as depth. Um, Doug Waite was just coming back after he had some kind of, like a bad pelvic injury. He had, mm-hmm. uh, like, fractured a pelvic bone or something. Or, like, it was a unheard of injury, more like a car crash injury. And he'd been out for months, and he was just stepping back into the lineup. And then Al, um, Al got hurt, hurt his eye, and uh, he was out. And then... In the playoffs, we lost Chris Pronger, too. And so um, everything that, you know, the kind of thought might be um, really wasn't available. I mean, you, you know, you're losing 60 minutes of ice time with Al and Chris out of the lineup and, you know, Hall of Famers and, you know, dominant personalities in the room and on the ice. And, and then Doug Waite was, you know, was their top center and just nowhere near, you know, he was he wasn't near eighty percent. You know, he was he was just trying to get his way back into the lineup at that time. Yeah, that's uh that, that was one of those years I, as a blues fan, I know that I sat and said, Oh man, like this this was a good team, but the injuries just caught up to him late in the year, and I think that a lot of blues fans would agree that that seems to happen 
uh, a lot. And then obviously this past year and, and just kind of jump ahead here. Um, did you come to St. Louis at all to cover the Stanley cup final? Uh, were you here for the parade and uh, what were your thoughts on the blues championship team from last season? Uh, I was there with, um, with TSN. I was doing, um, uh, we do our, you know, sports center hits and stuff. So we were doing pre and post game stuff, uh, throughout the finals. And, um, it was really awesome to see, um, you know, how the, how the city rallied around the blues, how the, the watch parties outside, just outside of the arena. And, um, I wasn't there for the parade, but, um, I remember walking by the, like up in the press box and walking by the alumni box and each home game, there was like more and more and more guys coming <laughs> back into town. Everybody wanted to be connected to this team. Um, they just, I don't know. They just, it seemed like everybody was really proud to be associated with the blues and it was really cool to watch. Um, you know, I, Craig Berube is a, is a fantastic guy and he did an amazing job and man, that team just, they just ground everybody to a pulp. Um, I did the first round series uh, when they knocked out Winnipeg. And I want to say that was really the, even though they'd had that great second half of the year, it was in that series where I went, you know what, these guys are really good. Uh, like not just a pretty good team. In the last game, um, I want to say when they beat Winnipeg, they knocked them out in St. Louis. Uh, I want to say they gave up six shots through two periods. That sounds right. And it was like, man, they just smothered them. Yeah. They didn't let them move. And that was really the first indication that I had. And I was at the game, of course, as I was broadcasting it, that, man, this team is, they're not a fluke. Like, this is this is really, really a good team. So uh, kind of getting into a little bit uh, about your playing career and maybe even uh, work in some of your, your analyst career here. Uh, what's your favorite NHL city? You don't have to say St. Louis, but what's your uh, what's your favorite city to either play or uh, broadcast in? Oh, um, I know if you don't say Toronto, people might be mad too. <laughs> everybody's got their own favorites, right? I I love going to Montreal. I don't get there enough. I like the culture there. I like the I like the food. I like old Montreal where you walk around. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place. And, and the Bell Center is as good a place to broadcast a game from uh, as anywhere um, if I were up top. Now, most of the time I'm down below, so, um, you know, where I'm standing in between the benches. And um, as far as there being a favorite place there, I, I don't really have one, I guess, uh, Toronto is pretty interesting that there's no glass on either side of the benches. Mm. So, like, I'm literally standing right on the bench. It's, uh, you know, you're pretty close to what's going on. That's that's for certain. Um, as far as cities to go to, like, I'll, I'll take anywhere warm. Um, you know, so Tampa and Los Angeles are a couple of my favorites. Uh, I played in L.A. for four years, so I know lots of people there. Um, but I, I would say Montreal is my favorite city to... Uh, to go into if it's in the spring though i will say boston because i am a red sox fan and uh, i do love getting to fenway uh i have to ask you about one of my favorite play calls of all time and this was when i decided that uh, ray ferraro is a mainstay for tsn broadcast because this was just a, a the way you called it was perfect and uh it was early in your career it was actually on january 4th 2007 patrick stefan missed the empty net for Dallas. And I know you know where I'm going. The Oilers came back, scored on that play. One of the things you said that was just it was it was emotion and it was hilarious at the same time, but I thought it was just the perfect thing to say. You said, "Petrick Stefan, you should be ashamed of yourself." Um <laughs> that was just just so funny to hear a broadcaster with raw emotion like that. Was it something that you were kind of like as a hockey player really actually upset about or was it you know kind of well i'm broadcasting this game i need to make sure that uh the uh the oilers fans know how dedicated i am to the game of hockey no i don't broadcast like that um i, I don't i i think one of my you know people that have listened to me one of my calling cards is people understand that i'm honest uh i try to be as honest as i can as much as i can and 
sometimes maybe that doesn't endear me to some people, but um, I'm not there to, you know, I don't, I don't blow smoke. I don't, I, I just, I just, it feels disingenuous to me. Mm-hmm. As for that play, um, yeah, it pissed me off. And the reason <laughs> it did was I played with Patrick. Right. I played with him for three years in Atlanta, and I'd seen that sort of nonchalance to his game and it always bugged me because Patrick was good mm-hmm. he could have been a really good player a better player than he was um, now injury took some of that away from him but also that's just the way he was and I'm you know and I had some people say back to me well you know the ice was bumpy and you know jumped over his stick and I'm like he's in the NHL mm-hmm. and this is the best play best league in the world it's not the same game as you as beer leaguers play. It's played on the ice. I get it. That's the same, but nothing's the same. So you're 10 feet away, shoot the damn thing in the net. <laughs> like he tried to just push it in. And so as, as far as it making up for broadcasting, nope, I don't do that. I, uh, that's just not my way. I was, uh, it was the most, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Now, had he just missed the net and the game ended, it wouldn't have been a big deal. However, not only did he fall down when he missed the net, as he went to keep the play alive, he ended up passing the puck right to one of the Oilers. Like he was lying down and he tried to spin it back to the front of the net and it went right to one of the Oilers and two passes later it's it's on it's on the stick Alish Hemsky and the game's tied. Mm-hmm. And that took about oh, I don't know, it couldn't have taken more than three seconds to go from end to end. It was it was astounding. Yeah. And that that adds a lot to it too. Yeah, no, it's that's the answer I wanted to hear was that it was pure emotion. That's that's the way I read it. Again, I'm a hockey player too, and I I see plays like that, you know, and I I see plays where you know the the puck will uh, uh, you know be shot in from the red line and it just bounces on the goalie and goes in, and you know I get that, you know, oh wow, that was that was really cool to see, but at the same time it was, oh god, you got to feel for that goalie, so. Yeah, hearing that you're like me and you react with emotion, it uh, it, it it makes that play even better. <laughs> well, I mean, I I would say that is my that's the way I played. I try, you know, I played with emotion, uh, both good and bad. Took a lot of penalties I probably shouldn't have taken, <laughs> but that's just that's kind of the way I'm I'm wired. That's um, so whether I you know whether I'm doing that or I'm playing a board game I'm you know I'm, <laughs> it's not always it's not always the best right that's kind of just the way I'm wired I guess yep uh Ray I uh wanted to ask you again real quick too you you were talking about emotion for for being a broadcaster but you do the NHL EA series and I have to ask you mm-hmm. how how odd is that for you is it completely scripted or do they say hey here's going to be the breakdown of the play what would you say here? I mean, what? Uh, how do you? How was that one done for you? Uh, there is no script, um, so everything you hear, I'm or James Sabolski, who's the play-by-play voice, um, we're making it up. So basically, they'll there'll be something on a computer screen. There's nothing to watch. It's um, just a computer screen, and it'll say, uh, for example, home team is leading. Mid first period, um, they have the edge in shots, and then I have to make up five or seven things about that. Hmm, that's interesting. And so then, then it might be um, uh, focused player has chance on net, um, misses the net from you know from a scoring area, and then same thing, make up five or seven. So. We do it, uh, of course, like everything else, we're shut down right now, but uh, we're in there about 20 hours a month. Wow. And um, it's, uh, it's, a lot, uh, it's a lot harder than I thought in that you have to be super creative with it, and I'm not a really creative person, except I seem to be able to come up with enough stuff that they're, they like the way that I do it. Um, because I'm not, like, for example, when I say I'm not creative, like, if you told me to write a story about what I see outside, it would take me a long time to generate some ideas about what's going on or uh, to draw a picture. I mean, man, I can't, I don't create anything in my head like that. I, that just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't happen for me. But this, I seem to be able to, 
um, you know, to find enough words to put it together. But there's there's no script. There's nothing to watch. There's no game. Wow. And um, it's just it's just me in a sound booth. Well, it comes off as genuine, so you're doing something right. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it does. That's the goal. Yep. Will you be uh, coming back for NHL 21? Yep. All right. Uh, well, right now, I mean, we're we're sitting in a holding pattern. We've got lots of stuff that we have to do, and we're we're always working out in advance of the game that's on now, right? Right. So the the game the game that's out now, NHL 20, we're working in advance of of that. Cool. And so we're uh, we're laying stuff down for for next year's game and uh, things that change and get added. There's some pretty cool stuff being added, and then we're always in there doing updates where. Um, you know, the gamers will contact EA and say, hey, you know, this is sounding a little repetitive. And they'll say, okay, we need more. We need six more examples of this play. And mm. so we'll have to go do that as well. And um, so we're, we're kind of like, um, you know, we're, we're, we're open to whatever our bosses say, hey, this is the, this is the uh, target for today. We want to get through X number of, lines in the script and i don't know some of them there might be a few hundred of them and uh, by the end of it you just you don't want to talk to anybody you don't want to listen to anybody you just want to go sit and and uh, relax for a half an hour oh yeah yeah i don't blame you so uh i got something for you so the next time that uh when you're recording something about the city of st louis you can say uh this is uh st louis the home of let's go blues radio so go ahead and throw that in there next time <laughs> uh, you know what? I can say just about anything in there. I uh, um, might not make the cut. <laughs> my, kids, my kids are my kids are big soccer players, um, and uh, so when somebody scores into the top shelf, they wanted me to say top bins. Nice, um, uh, because that's a football soccer call, and uh, so top you'll hear top bins in the game, and that's from my uh, that's from my ten and thirteen year old. Awesome! Very cool. Ray, this has been uh, very cool to talk to you again. You're you're one of my favorites over there on TSN. It's a shame we don't get you more here on the state side, but um, we have, you do you do a great job out there. Like I said, you and McLennan, uh, you guys do great together as well. So I want to give you enough time here at the end um, to uh, promote anything that you want. I know you've got a podcast with Darren Dreger. Um, yeah, just go ahead and any anything where people can reach you on Twitter if they want to reach you on Facebook, any kind of social media, and then where they can find your work. Well, thanks. Um, I, I do appreciate the, the people that reach out. And, uh, of course, sometimes Twitter gets to be uh, a little bit of a minefield. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I have my Twitter account. I'm on um, our, our podcast, uh, the Ray and Drake's podcast. Uh, we've done 25 episodes now, and um we really like it. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, of course, what, what makes it fun is, uh, A, Darren's a, uh, Darren Drager's a good friend and we work together at TSN, but also, and more importantly, it's the, the guys that come on and tell the stories that they tell. And, um, you know, people seem to enjoy them. There's, uh, there's always like Jamie is, uh, Jamie was our last guest and, uh, uh, man, he tells a couple of stories there. One of them that, uh, I would never do justice to, but basically he ends up eating bologna Sam fried bologna sandwiches in Kid Rock's house at four o'clock. So, um, you should you should go ahead and uh, I, I I hope people will listen to the podcast. Um, but I'm um, pretty straightforward. Twitter uh, Ray Ferraro TSN and um, Rand Drake's podcast is uh, where you can find us for that. And uh, I'm like everybody else, hoping that there'll be. Um, hockey again this year, but more hopeful that um, that we get this virus under control so everybody of all walks of life can return to some normalcy. I agree with that. Well, Ray, thank you again very much. I appreciate you coming on today. Awesome. Thanks. Have a great day and look after yourself. You too. Let's Go Blues Radio Past and Future continues, and I am joined by Eric Burton. He is a college hockey writer, as as well as just an NHL writer for InsideHockey.com and AmateurSports.tv. A lot of insight on the college athletes uh, from Eric, if you follow him on Twitter, at Goon48. Today we're going to be talking about Scott Perunovich, a defenseman for the uh, Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. 
uh, picked second overall. I'm sorry, picked second round, 45th overall in 2018. Uh, before this past season was canceled, he led the Bulldogs in scoring with 40 points, six goals and 34 assists. And UMD uh, is uh, we're coming off back-to-back championships and going for a third before this year was canceled. Uh, Perunovic was named uh, CHN's Rookie of the Year back in 2017-18, and he was named uh, the CHN Player of the Year this past year, first Duluth player to be named Player of the Year. So, obviously, Perunovic having a good career, but before we get into Perunovic, I do want to talk to you, Eric. Uh, First of all, where do you reside, and uh, what got you into the sport of hockey? I started writing about eight, nine, ten years ago, kind of just goofing around and it became a hobby and then it kind of snowballed into more of a just writing blogs about hockey and I got credentialed about nine years ago for UND hockey and I've been I didn't actually went to a wild game and sat in the press box so that was kind of interesting been writing for well I wrote with you over at uh, the hockey writers yep and then I moved over to um the sports daily they approached me about if I wanted to move my blog, Goons World, over to to Sports Daily, so there's not been a lot of hockey to write about. <laughs> it's actually very depressing. Yes. Um, the last night of the NHL before it canceled, my daughter came to me and said, "Dad, we have to watch hockey." And I said, <laughs> "You know what? She was right. Yep. Never doubt again. They always seem to know what's going on." And um, we watched the Jets. I think they played the Oilers, and it was really it was really surreal. Because now we just don't have anything. And they decided to cancel the NCAA. And now we're all sitting in kind of a a purgatory waiting to see what happens. There are a lot of um, free agents. Or, you know, I guess I shouldn't say free agents. But kids like Perinovich, they're probably thinking about their future. He's a perfect example of I've been able to watch him play for three years. And when you watch him play... You forget that he's only 5'9", maybe 180 pounds. And uh, he's a local Minnesota kid from the Iron Range. And uh, he's got an amazing game. And uh, I'm surprised he came back last year. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because he won another kick at the can, but his third year, I mean, Duluth has had an amazing run in college hockey. They, uh, they, they could, you know, since the, I don't know what you call it, the cancellation of the season, a lot of Duluth fans are saying, hey, you know, we're, we're the uh, reigning champs because it wasn't a championship. And I guess that's true. And uh, he's a big part of that championship. I think uh, Blues fans can definitely agree with that. We're the reigning champs as well. And it's like, man, I kind of wanted a chance to defend the title. Obviously, the uh, uh, Minnesota Duluth was able to do it once, but they were wanting to do it again. So uh, it's a shame. Do you think that's going to play into it? Let's just say next season rolls around a uh, normal time. And do you think Perunovic will want to go for another college hockey championship or do you think he's ready to move on? You know what? It's game suits the NHL now. I mean, you're not allowed to hang all over each other anymore, you know, due to the, the, the rules. I think that he would play nicely and you got to be able to skate now in the NHL. He's a hell of a skater. I mean, that's what I would say. Um, the blues, I think, he would fit nicely in their offense and you know, they got the toughness and he's not, he's pretty, pretty tough for a guy's size too. I think that he would really up their game. I could see him playing, you know, out of training camp or shortly after that. So you mentioned his size and that he's a a good skating defenseman, obviously offensive oriented, um, not too bad defensively either. Is there a comparable player maybe in the NHL right now where fans would be able to say, Oh, yeah, this Perunovic guy reminds me of him. There's a guy that plays for the Wild that wears 46. With, um, his name is escapes me right now. But he reminds me maybe a little bit of him. He's got the same kind of a offensive imagination, but he's tougher, I would say. I mean, he plays above his, his height and weight. I mean, he's by far, in my opinion, one of the best defensemen in college hockey last year. He was the offensive player, you know, in the uh, NCHC. And I mean, not very often does a defenseman lead their team in points. Right. I mean, I remember uh, Christian Wolanda did it for UND a couple of years ago, but that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And remember, he scores from the top of the circle or top of the slot, too. And he's deadly. 
I was going back and watching all his, um, kind of real, you know, I hadn't seen hockey for a while. <laughs> and I was watching his YouTube, somebody put a YouTube file up and it was all against the UND scoring goals. I mean, he was, he was deadly. Uh, Jared Spurgeon, I think is who you were thinking of. What's that? Jared Spurgeon. Yeah. Jared Spurgeon kind of reminds me of him. I think he's bigger though. The same kind of game, you know, offensive, but it's not a liability and the uh, defensive zone. He's pretty good too. Um, Duluth has been, I don't know if you watch them all play. They had a lot of, uh, a lot of good players. Um, Neil Pionk right now is playing up in, uh, when, when it, well, he was playing in Winnipeg. He got traded from the Rangers and, uh, he played with, uh, Perinovich and, uh, they had some impressive players in that team. Um, if you look, there's a couple on the, um, the Kings, Dominic Tominato and, uh, another kid that his name escapes me, but they have been loaded. And, you know, being a Bruins fan, I'm sure he'll be scoring on the Bruins soon. Oh, let's hope. <laughs> we, can't, we all love that. Uh, so uh, kind of looking at the path uh, that, that uh, players have taken lately from the college ranks, uh, there's a guy that kind of stands out from last year, Kale McCarr. He was also uh, CHN's uh, player of the year from the year before. He burst onto the scene this year and was unbelievable for the Colorado Avalanche. Obviously, Perunovic is stepping into a different situation in St. Louis if he even makes the roster. Could you see him making an impact uh, at all like Kale McCarr did, or was Kale McCarr kind of a uh, just a special player? Um, Kale McCarr, I, I don't know if you played DraftKings or not, but he's a good player to have on DraftKings. Oh, I mean, yeah. Was, up until recently, he was getting a point a game, and, and I was kind of impressed with that. And uh, I don't know if... Scott can make that big of an impact real soon. It's it's hard to tell how they fit in on the you know the team and and what kind of chemistry they're going to have with their their new players and the roster stuff. But I think he'll make a, a contribution offensively. Um, he's got all the skills that I can see. He's a game breaker, and uh, you know what I'm saying. He's he's when he, he's when he's got the stick on his game. He's one of those players that lights up. <laughs> The crowd <laughs> brings people out of their seats. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I've swore his name a few times. You know, you said in the press box, like, damn, that kid's good. Yeah. <laughs> how, how can we still in college hockey, you know? Yep. Oh, yeah. He I bet he could have gone last year. Um, it, it, whether it translates to right away in the NHL, you've seen enough hockey. You know how, like, Colton Pullman, he plays with the Jets now. He took two years to get up to the, the big club. They didn't rush him in. I know it depends what the Blues do. Um, they got a pretty good good roster right now, but he might be that player that can, you know, fill in the top six. Yeah, right. I mean, I would not be surprised. I, I mean, like I said, that kid brings people out of their seats. And uh, as far as defensive go, I've seen a lot of him over the years. His offensive imagination is unbelievable. I mean, he just you can't stop him. Especially when, like a power play and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I've watched him um, a lot of times playing against UND, and we're just like, holy cow, that kid's a game breaker. So, so. You, you know, obviously he's got offensive instincts. He's a good skater, good defenseman, does everything right. But when you talk about him being a game breaker and him being the type of player that, uh, you know, is winning awards and, and people are talking about around uh, college hockey, what do you think stands out the most about his game? His ability to get to the right place. He does make a lot of mistakes. Well, Duluth plays a real defense. They are one of the best defensive teams in the country, like year after year. And, um, you can tell their coach, um, preaches a defensive game first. And you can just tell he knows when to go and when, when not to. And he just seems to know the right time to make the right move. To see the play develop, I think is impeccable. In that, in that, in that sense, I know I just, it's one of those things you like, every cliche could hit him. He's just like, plays the game the right way, 200 foot player, uh, smart defensively, uh, doesn't, doesn't cough the puck up a lot. Um, he's really good. He's solid. Uh, he's got the skills. And, uh, I think he'll fit into a Melody type, uh, situation 
because he they play a rough and Blue plays a rough defensive, and he fits right into that mold. I would say he'd be a perfect blue. You well, guys can get him signed up. That's good to hear. Uh, yeah, we're, there's been talks of salary cap issues. Obviously, when you get a Stanley Cup, you uh, start seeing those kind of issues rise more and more. And uh, there's already talks of who's the sixth defenseman going to be for the Blues next year uh, with Bo Meester going down and, and uh, Marco Scandella being a question mark with coming back. So, yes, I think that is a player that will definitely get a lot of looks in uh, in Blues training camp. I wanted to ask you uh, just kind of personally about uh, your hockey coverage in general. If people were to follow you on Twitter or if people were to, uh, you know, want to learn more about college hockey and, and learn through you, um, where could they do that? And what makes you what makes you different from any other college writer? writer? I'm going to really make you answer a tough question there. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I write about football now, too. Um, <laughs> the Sports Daily is my blog. I write for Inside Hockey. I'm a writer slash uh, editor. And then, obviously, my uh, amateur sports TV. It's kind of a new thing. It's still kind of growing. And it kind of it interests me because I don't know where it's going. And they and the, guys, the guy that runs the, the company wants to know if I want to start a podcast. I don't know. It's... It's something I, I don't know technology like, obviously, it took us to get to the phone line to get into this, but um, I don't know. I just, it's a, it's a, hockey's a passion for me, and, and now we find out how bad it is without sports. I just, life feels empty. I know this is, a, I understand why they're doing what's happening, and I guess life is bigger than sports, right? Right. But at some point, the games and the lights and the arenas are going to come back on, and I want a rematch. Boston and uh, St. Louis. Oh, what yes. A, I'd love to a, see that. What a series. I mean, the Blues play the game the right way. They're tough. They're mean and nasty. They play good defensively. They have good – well, you're missing one of your big forwards, but with this break, maybe you'll be ready to go now. So oh, go. yeah. Yeah, he had shoulder surgery, and there was videos that just came out of him literally lifting his wife up on his shoulder and kind of oh. doing squats. <laughs> so I'm like – yeah, I think he's ready to go. <laughs> there could be a rematch between both those teams again. Both teams are – I looked and the Blues are right up on top around the, the top. Um, Washington's falling off, and they're always good for a lot in the first or second round, So, except the one year they won the cup. But yeah. I could see it happening again. Um, I just want hockey back. We all and, do. Uh, <laughs> I, tell, know, I tell you uh, what, if you ever start a podcast, you let us know, and we'll be glad to plug you because uh, – you, you, that would be a good source for NHL fans wanting to learn about their prospects. I just hope we, we get through this thing as a country and let's get our favorite pastime back, uh, hockey. It, it's, it, I keep telling people listen to the show, it's going to happen. It'll come back eventually, just a matter of when. So just got to stick through it now and just watch some old classic games, I guess. Watch some 2011 uh, cup, uh, cup run for the Boston Bruins for you. You know what my wife said? She said I'm more happy because I'm I'm home more and I'm not chasing games or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. My wife's always asking me to be home more, and I'm like, yeah, you're uh, you're not gonna like it. I'm I'm gonna be home all the time now. <laughs> I'm home all the time. Yep. All right. Well, thanks again, Eric. And again, where can people find you on social media? The Goons 48. That's the best place to find me. I put all my work on there. So. Great. That's it. Awesome. Well, sports, thanks a lot. Sports Daily, too. But, okay. Sports Daily. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Take care, sir. Thank you. Well, I again want to thank Ray and Eric for both coming on. That was a lot of fun. Um, make sure you're checking out the YouTube page for Let's Go Blues Radio as all of our past guests, all of the guests that uh, we have uh, on the show that are alumni or like our next episode, Mr. Ken Wilson, which is very exciting for us over here at Let's Go Blues Radio. We're going to have a video accompanying that as well. So um, there's videos of, of each interview, and I'm trying to get some of them. The, the, the Recently, it's just been me on video, but I, I kind of throw up graphics for the guest. But I'm trying to get some of these guys to hop on a, a Skype-type call with me, and uh, that way you can get some video of them too, because that's who you really want to see. You don't want to see me. You see me on all the live shows uh let's go blues.com is your place for shopping 
for shirts and stickers. That's letsgoblues.com slash shop. Um, so any shirts, stickers, and anything like that. Mentioned jerseys last week. Reach out to me, jponder94 at gmail.com. If you'd like to order a Let's Go Blues Radio jersey and check out our social media feeds for what those look like. Uh, please subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen at letsgoblues.com slash radio. Probably don't mention enough, we are also on Spotify. So if you're a Spotify listener, you're working from home right now and listening to Spotify all day, you can find us on there as well. Uh, give us a five-star rating over on Apple or wherever you listen to shows. Uh, whoever allows for ratings and reviews, we'd love that. Uh, it's a huge help for us. We've gotten some awesome reviews uh, from some some people in the past. So let's keep that going. Again, it helps people find the show. Twitter handles for Let's Go Blues Radio. First of all, the show Twitter is at LGB Radio. Hint, hint. You can also use that to find us on Instagram. Uh, Kirk Price is at Kirk Price. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note. And myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder94. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, again, hopefully um, we'll be having a live show here soon talking about the NHL. Um, Ray Ferraro was pretty optimistic. Um, some of it we talked about off air. Jamie McLennan last week was pretty optimistic, and, and I, I am too. I think, yes, it's going to be a while, but I think we will see a conclusion uh, to the 2019-2020 season. And hopefully that ends with the Blues raising a second Stanley Cup. We will see. Uh, but as far as this episode goes, we are done. That is it. Uh, so I want to conclude it, and I want to thank you for listening. Again, thanks to Ray and Eric for coming on. And on behalf of Jeff Ponder, I'm Bill Day and Kirk Price, and let's go Blues. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. St. <laughs> Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues. Have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun. They're on their way to number one. Now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. The blues are on the ice tonight again. Rough and tough and got the stuff to win They'll always get one more No matter what the score They are quite a hockey team, my friend